0: Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you're blessed by this podcast, please subscribe. Once you do, you'll be able to stay up to date with all our latest messages. This week, we continue in Pastor Tom's new study through the book of Daniel. In this message, we are in Daniel 1, where we see Daniel under pressure. We'll learn about his decision, his dependency, and his dedication to God. Let's get into it. So we are going to be continuing where we left off a couple of Weeks back, had a couple of situations that came up. I was unable to be here, but you guys were blessed with James Cadiz last week, yeah, yeah. and uh, I'm looking forward to having him come back out next one of these next times that I that I miss. But we're going to pick up in Daniel from where we left off last time, and um, we'll finish Daniel chapter one this evening, and then next time, next Sunday night, we'll be in Daniel chapter two, where Daniel has the dream, uh, or, or Nebuchadnezzar has the dream. You got the statue with. With, uh, that goes all the way through the world empires on into the revived Roman Empire. And all the prophetic implications are going to be uh, pretty fun. And uh, tonight, uh, Daniel is in, uh, he's under a lot of pressure. Him and his friends, all of his Jewish friends that have been kidnapped and taken captive over to Jerusalem. As I was putting together this message and thinking of their, the intense pressure they were under, uh, I was thinking of this song. Please forgive me for this. It was David Bowie and, and uh, Freddie Mercury uh, from many years ago called Under Pressure. And it was just, it was, it just talk about the pressures of this life in that song. But this, we're looking at the, the spiritual pressure that, that Daniel and the Jews uh, that are taken captive are under and what the Bible has to say about it and the direction that we give. As a reminder, Daniel's a powerful book. It's a prophetic book. It gives strength for living today, it prepares us for tomorrow. So last time, we gained an understanding of the times that uh, Daniel was living in, an understanding of the times of ancient Israel and ancient Judah, as it was Judah that was taken captive by Babylon and, and uh, the siege was placed upon uh, Judah and Jerusalem. And uh, we also got an understanding for our times and seeing how these things uh, worked out in the days of past and how they are working out even now. In the days of Daniel, uh, refreshing our memories, King Jehoiakim was a wicked king in Jerusalem. He was judged by God, and all of Judah was judged with him. So God sent the foreign king, uh, king of Babylon, uh, Nebuchadnezzar by name, to oppress them, crush the Jews in Jerusalem, and take the Jews that they wanted to be captive into Babylon but what was the reason why God had judged ancient Israel and then also with the Assyrians and later on with uh, ancient Judah it was because they had turned from God and God warned Israel he warned the Jews this is what is going to happen to you if you do not obey my word in fact in Deuteronomy chapter 28 God lays out the blessings Uh, For those of you who follow my word, you're obedient to me, I'm going to bless you. it will bless everything, he says. If you disobey my word, you will experience cursings. And one of those cursings, if you are disobedient to me, is a foreign king, a foreign people will come in and crush you. And that is exactly what happened. But God warned them. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Obey my word. They didn't listen. Likewise, I believe today we have um, warnings. Uh, and, and the warnings for the judgment that are coming, the judgment that is coming, excuse me, is not specific to only Israel. it is to the entire world this time around. God warned Judah and he warned Israel in ancient times he 's warning the whole world now, and he gives us his word. with that, I think of some of the things that we see in the news. economic storm clouds, storm clouds, excuse me, are hovering over trump and Global leaders. I'm paying a lot of attention to the economy. I have for a long time, and um, eventually, this the wheels are going to come off this bus. And this bus is going full speed down a hill. All four wheels, uh, those lug nuts are wobbly, and the wheels are wobbly, and and these wheels are going to come off this economic bus. But ultimately, I know when they're coming off. Revelation chapter six tells us when the rider on the black horse appears, that third seal judgment. There's going to be great economic disaster. I look at the the massive debt that is piling up in the world with the United States, also the issues between China and America, the whole world. There is economic questions, and as this even says, storm clouds hovering, not just over Trump, but over the global leaders. Ultimately, the wheels are coming off this economic bus. So the Bible tells us one of the signs, of the last days and the judgment that's coming not just to Israel and Judah, but to the entire world is the economy. Another one is pestilence. Jesus himself said that. Listeria outbreak infects 175 people during peak tourist season in Spain. The deadliest hunter of humans on the planet is mosquitoes. You realize that, don't you? Worse than anything, it is mosquitoes. Uh, back in October, we did a church trip, for those of you who went with us, uh, Footsteps of Paul, and it was, it was a great trip. And one of the places we visited was Ephesus in Turkey, uh, ancient Asia Minor. And Ephesus, it's, it's unbelievable to see, it was a massive city. The Apostle Paul ministered there, uh, John ministered there, um, but Ephesus was destroyed by mosquitoes. The people were eliminated because of mosquitoes, and uh, but but this is a huge problem, obviously throughout the, throughout the world, always has been, and it is going to continue to be a bigger and bigger problem. That's what this article is about: is what is actually happening with mosquitoes right now. Uh, another one: CDC measles outbreak now reported in 30 states. Again, these are signs of judgment that are coming to the world, to a world that has turned from God. Here's another one. Chinese social credit score prevents 2.5 million discredited entities from buying plane tickets. Uh, I've talked about the social credit system in China before, right? So I don't have to update you all on that, but basically if you if you do good, you're, you're in good with the Chinese government. If you de- do bad, you're, it, it, it's bad news for you with the Chinese government. Um, in other words, you go, you got to go along with the government, whatever they tell you. You got to do it. One thing you can do that gets you in trouble with the Chinese government is go to websites that they don't like. Um, So 2.5 million people discredited from buying plane tickets that was in one month alone. Uh, The system that they have in China is a system that will be exported to the rest of the world. And what's happening in China right now you can look at it as like a lab test. Ultimately the Antichrist, the beast, which we'll be able to look at next Sunday with the statue of Nebuchadnezzar, will be at the top of this system. It's going to come out of a revived Roman Empire, somewhere out of Europe. And this system is going to be much more efficient than it currently is in China and much more oppressive, so much so that Revelation chapter 13 says about the beast or the Antichrist, who is able to make war with him? Who is able to stop him? The the thought is, you ain't going to stop him. And, uh, and people living will be given over to the submission of him, and, and uh, it's going to be uh, quite a time. So how do we get to that system in China that's going to go to the rest of the world? Right? We know from Revelation 13 and Revelation chapter 17 that there's a global system that's coming, a new world order, right? So we see what's happening in China. Uh, ultimately, what the Bible describes is a socialistic system where uh, you, you have the elite at the very top that are doing well, and everybody else is equal amounts of poverty. Right. With the system we have now in the United States, it's unequal amounts of wealth. In the system that's coming, it's equal amounts of poverty. Elites will be at the top. Revelation chapter 17 talks about ten kings who are going to be controlling the world, uh, the, these ten rulers. I, like, I think they're a ten elitists. They're going to be controlling this whole thing. The rich guys at the top, and they give their power and authority over to the beast for one hour. So Bernie Sanders uh, unleashes a $16 trillion climate plan that builds on the Green New Deal. I'm telling you, these climate plans and these climate laws, they are about controlling the masses of the people. They're about oppressing the people. I've read these laws and I see what is in them. They control where you can live, where you can't live, what you can buy, what you can't buy. That's the direction these things are are going. I like this. Andy Woods posted this, my friend, from Margaret Thatcher. Global warming provides a marvelous excuse for global socialism. So these are laws. Uh, Romans chapter 1 teaches us that in the last days the people will worship the creation rather than the creator. They'll worship the environment rather than the one who created the the environment, and that is exactly what's happening. So you can have these climate laws at the top. People, you hear it all the time uh, uh, about this. And, and really, it's it's a, it's a it, the the Earth has become a god. Campus Watch: Israel charged with deliberately sparing the lives of Palestinians. Anybody hear about this? Yeah, I'd read you the whole article, but I don't have time. It'll, it'll fit well into another time in the future. But um. This is what this person is saying. Okay, so Israel, in their battles that they do, they deliberately, intentionally go out of the way to make sure they don't harm too many people. They will bring them into Israeli hospitals. They will get them all of the medical attention they need. So since the, the, the Palestinians are losing the, um, the propaganda battle in the case of the Israelis take good care of even the Palestinians when it comes to wars and they heal them you come out with this spin The Israelis only take care of us in order to maim us and make our lives worse and have to live under these things Seriously, I, listen, I am not joking This is real and the amazing thing is people buy this stuff and they think you, you think you've got to be kidding me No, we're gonna save your life Nick and Catherine just so we can make sure that you are miserable. That's, yeah, spare you, exactly. So that's the thought behind this. It's another spin. It's like no matter what Israel does, seeking to save lives, they're accused. If they kill lives, they're accused. It's a lose-lose situation. Now check this out, last, last one here. Uh, um, you see all these red arrows? These are This is the Ezekiel 38 war. You know the Ezekiel 38 war where Russia, uh, Iran, and Turkey are going to come against Israel. They're going to come from the north. But Russia is going to have all of these other countries that are aligned with them that are going to be coming from these other areas. You see Libya, Algeria, the Sudan, Ethiopia. Uh, They're all mentioned there. Um, Put, uh, you have different names given in the Bible. But these are the countries. But the Bible has said these other countries will be aligned with Russia. Well, we talk about Iran, Turkey, and Russia from the north. Check this out. How often do you hear about Sudan? The Sudan in the Bible, Ezekiel 38, is really, uh, it would include Ethiopia. or already talks about Ethiopia and Kush. Uh, so it would be Ethiopia and Sudan. Now listen to this. This is from Gate Stone. Russia moves in on Sudan. Moscow has reportedly signed a draft military agreement with the Sudan to facilitate entry of Russian and Sudanese warships to the ports of the two nations. According to Major General Ahadi Musa, head of Sudan's parla- uh, par- Parliamentary Subcommittee on Defense, Security, and Public Order, this deal will pave the way for more agreements and greater cooperation, possibly a Russian base on the Red Sea. Now you look at that and you think, to me, I don't know about you guys, that's like, it's like everybody's together now. And you look at that and you think, okay, so when I go back to the book of Daniel, and the reason why Daniel, why the judgment came in the times of Daniel from Babylon, I look at what's happening in the world now, all of these different things that we're looking at, the signs that are there, it's the same thing. Our country and our world has turned from God. And God has warned, in that day, here's the signs so that you can know the world, not just Israel, the world this time is going to go through the judgment. The, the, the um, 70th week of Daniel, uh, the final seven-year tribulation period. And I look at these things and I go, wow, how much longer, Lord Jesus. So let's get a, with all of this, remember where we are. Daniel chapter 1. Let's read the first four verses again to refresh our memories. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah and Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and he besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. Um, Note here a a reminder uh, of what happened. Nebuchadnezzar's troops took To Babylon things that belong to God they took the treasuries of the temple and they also took the people of Israel so the first thing we note here is the people that the king chose of the people that we read in in verses 1 through 4 that he is that um, are gathered for the king's work in verse 4 these people are to be good-looking wise and quick to understand, sharp. They're going to have really sharp minds. Um, What would be required of these hand-selected, good-looking, wise, and sharp-minded young men that they serve the king, learn the language, learn the literature? Uh, In other words, they would be indoctrinated into the ways of the king of Babylon. The reason why... Once indoctrinated and somewhat brainwashed, they will lose their Hebrew ways and their Jewish roots. Even the God of Heaven would eventually be erased from their minds. At least that is what the intent it doesn't work for Daniel and his three friends. But that's what the intent is. Does that happen in the United States today? <sighs> America's public schools have become socialist indoctrination factories. Um, you better believe it. And not just indoctrination into socialism, but it's in all different areas that we even talked about in the last message. And we are seeing them. Now, I want to preface, I want to say this before we go further. I know teachers in our, in our valley that are absolutely wonderful people. They don't believe any of that stuff. I know leaders in the school district, they don't like this stuff that is happening, that is coming from the state of California. So before you get in a place and you start going against every teacher, if you have a kid or grandkid in school, and pointing your finger at them, listen, most of these teachers, at least all of them I talk to, they, they don't want anything to do with these, these things that are out there. Um, uh, and, and you look, and you have this that is forced on them. A lot of them are actually able to, to hold it back at bay right now. But when you get to the college, and eventually that dam's going to burst too. You will just lose your job. It's going to come. Um, You look at the college level, the university level, and you see what's happening with the anti-Israel movements and the pro-BDS movements and the socialism movements, and you start to realize, okay, this is the way that it happens. Does this happen in other places too? Uh, Where the ways of God, like it was with these Jewish young men, The ways of God are going to be replaced with the ways of Babylon. In a very real sense, yes. Chinese officials warn Christianity is an enormous harm to society. It's an enormous harm to their society under the current rule, right? You start looking at uh, countries that are Islamic and the oppression towards any religious system at all that is not Islamic. And the, the Jews are oppressed. Uh, Christians are, are slaughtered in these places unfortunately here in America we are experiencing all things Christian and all things Bible being maligned history is being rewritten God is mocked but instead of an awakening happening in America it appears that a welcoming to all things except God has happened and has happened in the church A.W. Tozer said this decades ago imagine if he's alive now Christianity is decaying and going down into the gutter because the God of modern Christianity is not the God of the Bible. That was decades ago when Tozer said that. Imagine what he would think now if he were to be alive now. Well, it's no wonder as you look at that, so this foundation was laid a long time ago for things to go uh, this way, uh, but this article answers this, why millennials are really leaving religion it's not just politics. It's because the, uh, the God of heaven is not the God who is um, proclaimed. Listen, it happens throughout history with every single culture that is a Christian culture. It's happening in the United States. It happened in, in England. You had Charles Spurgeon and the great things that were coming out of Europe. and Europe now, you don't have that anymore. Uh, In America, we are seeing this. You know where we're seeing a revival and and an awakening take place is in the Islamic countries and in the underground church in China. In America, America's churches have gone down the gutter. Here's how it works. Um, In science, I think it's the second law of thermodynamics that everything is um, decaying, and it affects every single thing not just the physical world it affects everything and so it's always happened this way in christianity you have a christian culture and then it starts to decay and apart from an infusing by god through an awakening it will not happen it will not just naturally come back to itself and all of a sudden people just say you know what honey i want to go to church today no it will continue to decay apart from an awakening listen this is what we need we need to pray for an awakening and if the lord ain't going to bring an awakening you know what we need we need jesus to come and get this thing over with you look at this and you think this is the reality of it. in the days of babylon they kidnapped you and took you captive away from your home in america they don't kidnap you and take you to a country but the system will indoctrinate your kids So much so that you have this, drag queen story hour, right? So you have it happening in the college level, in all the different school levels. Now here's the thing with this. This is parents who willfully and joyfully take their little kindergartners to drag queen story hour. Whatever the drag queen wants to talk about. By the way, this is for everybody watching online too, this isn't just happening in California. This is popping up all over the United States of America. And it is this grooming at this stage. And you start to look at this, this indoctrination. So let's continue. as we see, you, you can see how it happened in the days of Daniel. We can see how it is happening culturally in America. And it's affecting the whole world. And judgment is coming through the whole world. And we have the science to show us. So let's move on from here as Daniel and his friends are under pressure. Verse 5 And the king appointed for Daniel and his friends and these men who are smart good looking uh, and and so forth he appointed, the king did for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Uh, Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those are their Hebrew names. To them, these four men, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which the king drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor with the goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink, for why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. In other words, Daniel, if I go and give you guys the food you want, you don't eat the king's delicacies, all the stuff that makes you big and strong, and you eat veggies, you're going you're gonna to be all skinny and bony. It's not going to go good for me because you're not looking good. You will endanger my head before the king. I don't want my head coming off, Daniel. So Daniel said to the steward, verse 11, whom the chief of the eunuchs has said over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Uh, this thing, let, we're vegetarians. Is that what's going on here? It's not. I'll show you that in a few minutes. Then let our appearance be examined before you. And the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them ten days. And at the end of the ten days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables could not imagine that (laughs) but we'll get to that and see what God's doing and I have a lot of vegetarian friends so I don't want you to get mad at me I'm just saying we have hamburgers at our barbecue (laughs) maybe we'll start getting veggie burgers for something so number one it's the people the king chose number two it's the course the king set total indoctrination was the objective Nebuchadnezzar wanted these boys to walk, talk, and think Babylonian style. Our culture today wants our young people to walk, talk, and think Babylonian style. America of 2019. So right away, these boys are enrolled in a three-year liberal arts program in Babylon that likely included a study of agriculture, architecture, math, law, obviously language, And highly likely astronomy and astrology. Now think through this with me. Daniel, we're going to see in the book of Daniel, is going to win such favor with the king, he's going to be put in a position (coughs) that he is over all of the wise men. The wise men of the book of Daniel, a.k.a., they're also known as magi. So, This is 586 B.C., Daniel. Fast forward to the birth of Christ, 580, 590 years later. What do you have appearing at the birth of Christ, bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh? You have wise men from the east, magi from the east that come and worship the Lord. Where on earth would magi from the area of Babylon hear about the king of the Jews know what signs to look for so that they could come and worship him when he was born. Most scholars will tell you there's really only one explanation. Daniel was faithful to the God of heaven. God used Daniel. He learned the language, he learned the arts, he learned astronomy, he learned all these things, but he kept his head about himself with the Lord. God used Daniel to teach, as the overseer of the wise men, the Magi, in uh, some 500 plus years earlier, to teach the wise men of that day. All these things were passed down through the wise men, through the Magi. The Hebrew Bible, the Hebrew God, what to look for in the sky in order to come and worship the king when he was born. There's no other explanation other than God did a lot of remarkable things in the life of Daniel and this is just one of them because Daniel was faithful. Now check this out. Herein we find three things that uh, the king of Babylon wanted altered in these young men. The king wanted to alter the way that they think. Um, you would call this social engineering. Anybody ever hear of that? Okay, so social engineering has always taken place, took place back then, it's always taking place. It's taking place in China. It's taking place in America. How it's working out in America, it's working out through schools. It's working out through TV, through movies, through books. Uh, social media seems to be the, the biggest place that social engineering is, uh, is affecting the people. I, I love this picture. I found it. Here's social engineering, right? Puppets controlling the masses of the people. Alter the way that people think. Uh, People that are in the advertising industry will tell you i have talked about social engineering they might use a different term for it but they will set the trend on what people should start wearing what they want to sell them in five years right so they start programming people to go this direction and, and and that's the way things go same thing is happening we see socialism being promoted here in America, we see a lot of different things being promoted here in America, but is this social engineering? I want to tell you this: something else that is social engineering. And and again, if you're a vegetarian, praise the Lord. Um, it may be healthier for you. My doctor's telling me I gotta lay off the ribeye. Uh, I I, don't, I he goes, Tom, you got issues. Yeah, and uh, maybe. So I'm, I'm not saying this against a person as a vegetarian. But when it becomes a, a, a spiritual purpose, you spiritually are, are more right with God because you eat vegetables than you don't, uh, th- than those who eat meat, then there's a problem with your biblical thinking. However, this is part of the social engineering that's taking place now too. If you listen to the climate change laws, the cow's flatulation is a problem, you hear that, right? And eating meat, you keep hearing of it. No, you cannot eat meat. you got to eat meat. If you're going to eat meat, it's going to have to be grown in a lab, right? Check this out. I'm going to read this to you. First Timothy chapter 4. Listen to these words, right? Now the Spirit, verse 1, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, speaking of the last days, just before Jesus comes, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving. The Young's literal translation says, commanding to abstain from meat. And you look, in the latter days, and you look and you listen to all these different things, and you see what was going on in Babylon, in the It's altering the way people think. It was social engineering then. We are watching social engineering take place now. In this, in Daniel, these young men would be taught the language and literature or wisdom of Babylon. Regarding the language, Daniel was content to learn another language. He knew that nothing was harmful about the language itself, so he knew if he could keep his head about himself, then he would be good if you would remember the Hebrew language, which you did. The, the thought of the king is to get them to forget their Hebrew language, which some decades later, most of them did. They forgot it. Daniel understood. It's good for me to learn a second language. He got that, but don't forget your first language. So Daniel was okay with that. Regarding the wisdom and the literature, it'd be like going away to college. Certain there would be more challenges there, but when a person is wise and dependent upon God to keep them safe and keep their mind safe and apply themselves, they're able to study the literature. And you can study it in this way. It, you, you really need the Lord's help though. You go off to college, you need the Lord's help, right? You've got to have the Lord's help. That's what Daniel did. But you, you do it like you eat a watermelon. You, 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 eat, you take the good stuff and you spit out the seeds. That's how you, you, you have to do it. But you have to decide ahead of time That that's how you're going to go through this, in this case, Daniel chapter 1, the schooling process. Listen, what you put in your mind will affect you. So you got to be very, very, very careful. Um, You you are what you eat. You are, Solomon said, what you think. But Daniel, we know, was able to keep his head about himself, keep the Hebrew language, and and train the Magi in the Hebrew God, in the Hebrew Bible, so that 500 plus years later, the magi could come and worship uh, the Lord. They altered their thinking, social engineering, alter their appetites. Uh, there was a vast difference between the king's food and the food of, of peasants, right? Uh, people say you eat with your eyes. You ever hear that? I believe it's absolutely true. If, if food looks appealing, you're like, oh, i got to have some. Um, like if you saw chocolate-covered strawberries, for example, right? I'm just, Hey! What a quinky dink. I mentioned it. Hey! You see nice pastries. Don't those look good? Listen, they are good. By the way, they have these all over Israel, just in case you wanted to know. Um, They have these on Sunday mornings at 412 church. So healthy. Real soul food, right? It makes your soul feel better. (laughs) Somebody is probably blogging right now saying, I'm of the devil. Just, yeah. Um, you eat with your eyes. Look at that. That is not a veggie burger. Does that look like a veggie burger? Does that look like a veggie burger? Oh, look at that. That that looks like a 5,000 calorie heart attack. But, uh, man. Man. <laughs> ah, I love burgers. And burritos. And enchiladas. And tamales. <laughs> so (laughs) ribeye steaks new york steaks oh so the king sets his delicacies before before the people right you eat with your eyes you look at this and you look at the junk food or the the bad food that the peasants get the king's food imagine that wow i get all this i remember years ago back in the 1990s i was um, making really good money. I was making good money. It would be considered really good money now. This was back in the 90s. And I remember going shopping one, one evening uh, by myself. I got to go clothes shopping. I never had this much money to just spend on clothes before. And just stuff. And I remember thinking to myself, wow! This is nice! I like this lifestyle! Shortly after that I got a call to be a pastor. And I think yeah, man, there goes that. Anyway, it hasn't been the same since. But I remember it was that appeal and that pull. You can imagine somebody who is in Hollywood. And they've really got good morals. They were brought up with some good things, solid. And all of a sudden, they, they can sing great, they can act great, whatever it is, right? They've got this talent. And next thing you know, all these delicacies of the God of this world, the king of this world, are thrown before him. Oh, the cars, the houses, um, all these different things to go, wow, I can have this? Or drive my Kia? I th- or, you know, and you start going down. And the food that's out there and the, the, the appeal. So, this is the king's delicacies. Let's appeal, let's alter the appetites. And in that, even in the food, it starts to alter. Social engineering alters the way a person thinks. You start to lean more towards that way of thinking. You know, the king is a pretty good guy. I know he slaughters heads, but I kind of like this guy. You can see how it works, right? Alter the thinking, alter the appetites, alter the religious convictions. Um, Note the name changes for all four of these young men. Uh, Daniel means, the Hebrew name, God is my judge. His name, Belteshazzar, uh, refers to Bel, the highest god of the Babylonians. And it means, may Bel, the highest god of the Babylonians, protect my life. So you see, it's it's altering this thought. Instead of the Lord's protection and accountability, they wanted Daniel to appeal to the pagan god for his protection. Uh, So you have Daniel, you have Hananiah was his Hebrew name. His Hebrew name meant the Lord is gracious. Um, his name is changed to Shadrach. or Shadrach. Rach was the sun deity and it means to be illumined by the sun god. Mishael, the Hebrew name, means who is as God. Mishael's name was a reminder for him to live like the Lord in the way that we are reminded to be like Christ as much as we can. To be Christ-like is how the name Christian comes about. So his name is changed to Mishach means who is, uh, um, who is as Aku, uh, a pagan god uh, named, um, it's from a pagan god named Aku. Who is like Aku? Uh, so you have Mishael, then you have Azariah. The Hebrew name means the Lord helps. However, with his name changed to Abednego. It's from a pagan god, Nebo is where this come from, comes from, and it means a servant of Nebo. So you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where their uh, famous names, the ones that are thrown into the fire, but these are their Babylonian names. So the whole thing has changed their, altered their thinking, altered their appetites, altered their religious convictions. Now, now think a little bit more through this with me. They're changing these things... And they're changing a lot of these little things. And the king of Babylon's really smart. And he knows this is going to affect him. Think about this. The king was determined to replace these boys' values with that of the Babylonian culture. Everything that was familiar to them had been taken away. Their families, their homes, their religion. Uh, Think of a girl or a boy that's kidnapped forever. Because they're literally kidnapped. According to, uh, to the first century historian Josephus, the Babylonians even made Daniel and his three friends eunuchs, which explains why Daniel never got married. In other words, castrated. So you, you can start to see this whole thing. So the final blow comes when they are all of their identity is taken away. Imagine a 14 or 15-year-old boy living hundreds of miles from his family. His name has now been changed. His home has been destroyed. The rest of his family has either been taken into separate captivity or left in Jerusalem to survive if they can, or they've been killed. And these boys are eunuchs. Then they're forced to take college-level courses in a foreign language, constantly barraged by pagan philosophy, surrounded by the intimidating sights and sound of powerful Babylon. Home is gone, mom and dad and family are forever gone you're kidnapped your knife is your life is no longer yours it belongs to your captors you think that is radical so how do you handle it how do you handle this unbelievable pressure that these men are under uh, we know number three it's the conviction of Daniel number one's the people the king chose number two the course the king set number three is the conviction Daniel had Note that Daniel chooses his battles well. He's smart. He doesn't make an issue over the language. It's like, okay, I can get through the language. It's good for me to learn another language um, as long as he kept his roots with his Hebrew language, right? Good. Um, He doesn't even make an issue over the name change. Don't hear him complaining about it. Listen, they're going to call me Bill if they want to call me Bill, even if my name's Harry. He still, it wasn't like, That's not a big deal. I still know who I am. I'm still the same person. They can call me names if they want. I've learned another language. This will only expand my territory if looked at it right. But he makes an issue over the food and the wine. Well, that's interesting. Why is that? He assumes that he has some kind of say-so in it. And he's right. Verse 8 says, He purposed in his heart not to defile himself, pollute himself with the king's delicacies and the king's wine. So why this? It seems such a small thing. Why wouldn't you make it over the language? Why wouldn't you make it over your name? Why? I mean, you got this great food. What's the big deal? It's a kosher issue. Here's the thing. This is a kosher issue. A lot of people say it's a wine issue. It is not a wine issue. It's a kosher issue. Kosher laws separated the Jews from everybody else in the sense of, circumcision with Jewish men. It You belong to God. Kosher laws say, I belong to the God of heaven. I have a lot of friends who are kosher, Jewish kosher. Uh, some are non-believing Jews that are kosher. Some very good friends I have. Um, some are believing Jews that are kosher. Olivier Melnick, uh, Corey Bell, Some uh, many of my friends that have been here, they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but they still keep kosher laws. They're still... Jews, and I don't go before them and, and fry up a bunch of bacon. You know, I don't go out to offend them. I, I, I get it. Um, you don't put cheese on your burger. Um, they don't mind if I put cheese on my burger. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, but it, it's, it's understanding that the, the convictions of Daniel and the, 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 the um, kosher laws. So that's what's happening here. Uh, let's, let's get uh, uh, some takeaways before we go home, all right? Before we go out for a cheeseburger or a non-cheeseburger. Uh, number one, there's only three takeaways that I want to give you before we, uh, as we head to the conclusion. Pay attention to the little things so they don't become big problems. Throughout the Torah, uh, the books of the law of the Old Testament, the Jews had their dietary requirements that associated with their relationship with God. And Daniel was not going to compromise his relationship with God. That's what this is. It's a relationship with God. Um, and so with the king's delicacies, with the king's wine, the king's wine is not going to be kosher. It's, it's, there's, there's no way. Um, the, the food certainly wasn't going to be kosher. And so Daniel understood, I have a relationship with God, To some people, they might not look at it as a big deal. To Daniel, this is a big deal. And I'm not going to compromise in in what some might say is a little thing. Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, he was faithful in what is least, is faithful also in much. And God blessed Daniel with much, because he was faithful even in what some people might consider the little things. A note in this, his decision was made in his heart... um, verse 8, he purposed in his heart or made up his mind or resolve, meaning he didn't wait for the banquet to be spread before him. He made up his mind beforehand. He made up his mind beforehand. You want to have success? Anybody? You make up your mind beforehand. Number one, pay attention to the little things so they don't become big problems. Number two, the time to make up your mind is before you are in the difficult place. I have to do that. Um, I know there's donuts out there on Sunday morning. I like donuts. I make up my mind before I go out there because 50 people will offer me a donut. I make up my—I have to make up my mind. If I know there's going to be a bread, a loaf of bread served, especially if it's fresh bread and you can smell it, I mean, it's so tempting to me. So I'm in this place now where I seriously have to think about these things a lot more. So I have to make up my mind before. I, 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 I go to a donut shop, or uh, to, to not go to the donut shop, right? Does <laughs> it make sense? You make up your mind beforehand. Daniel didn't wait for the sights and the smell of the tempting food and wine to get a hold of his teenage appetites. The word of God was set in Daniel's heart. In Leviticus chapter 11, as God is giving instructions to Israel on kosher and unkosher food, or clean and unclean food. He says, for I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves. And you shall be holy. For I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves. Daniel knew. When it came to the food. It's it's, it's part of his worship. With the Jews. Kosher wine. Through, today even. And in the Old Testament. You see it in all of the feast days. This is part of their worship service. To the God of heaven, is not to defile himself. I worship God. I'm not going to defile myself with what might seem to a Gentile king such a stupid little thing. And he holds out his stuff. He goes, my stuff tastes way better than that junk you drink, Daniel. And Daniel says, I don't want any part of it. I love the Lord. I'm not going to defile myself and my relationship with him. And So his decision was made in his heart. His dependency was on the Lord. Note at the end of verse eight, Daniel requests of the chief eunuch that he might not defile himself. And then also in verse nine, God brought Daniel into favor with the chief. In this, Daniel is trusting God. He doesn't tell the chief, "I'm going to rebel anyways. I don't care." Uh, what he tells, he says, "Whatever. You, uh, uh, he, he, <laughs> I'm going to rebel. I'm, I want to exercise my rights as a Hebrew teenager. I deserve this." We hear so many people saying, I'm entitled to this, I'm entitled to that. Daniel's going, no, no, it's the Lord is first. This is what this is. we would do well in our culture, in church, to just say, you know what, let me just worship the Lord, let me keep God first, instead of demanding my rights, demanding my ways, demanding what everybody owes to me and all that. Daniel doesn't rebel, doesn't do any of that stuff, he says, give us vegetables and water for 10 days and see if we're fit. Test us. Elsewhere, the Bible also tells us that we can uh, test the Lord. Uh, Malachi chapter 3, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Bring in your tithes. Um, It goes on, says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Test me in giving, God says. Um, I have a friend who Loves giving I have a friend uh, another person. I know who has a ministry called i like to give and, and it's there There's people who have come to a place. I have a particular friend he's, he's come to this place. He's realized it's really weird He applied that principle and he goes the he goes this is great He goes I've learned that I now tithe and I give generously for selfish purposes because I have realized something no matter how much I give out God gives me more I'm thinking, man, that's pretty good. If I'm low on money, I give out what I have so I can get more money in. I said, hey, this is, believe it or not, God says, test me in this. And Christians are, ah, this is mine. You ain't getting any of it. God, God ain't going to bless you then. Right, good luck with that. And you, you look at this, and it's an, it's, a, it's an act of faith. Daniel's life was an act of faith. Daniel had a command to obey from Leviticus. I'm going to obey this. I'm not going to defile myself. And in that, he trusts God's promise to take care of him. Exodus chapter 23 says, so you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and water. He'll bless your food. He'll take care of you. You do what you're supposed to do. God says, test me. Daniel goes to the test. He says, okay, God, I'm trusting in you. I'm obedient. You promise to bless. We would do well as Christians to live the same way and say, okay, I'm going to be obedient and see what, what, what you do, um, Lord. So Daniel is faithful, is a servant of the Lord. In verses 15 and 16, after the test was done, Daniel and his friends were more fit than the rest. They didn't compromise or make excuses or justify why they could eat the king's delicacies, and God took care of them. The result, his dedication was rewarded by God. Uh, no, I lost it. We were in Daniel, weren't we? let me get back all right let's read to the end verse 17 as for these four young men god gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom and daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams now at the end of the days when the king had said that he should be brought in the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before nebuchadnezzar and then the king interviewed them and among them all Among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. That's so cool. And in all matters of wisdom uh, and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Thus, Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. Ten times better Although they were captive in a foreign land, God gave them favor. When we are dedicated to the Lord and set in our heart to please the Lord and not give in to temptation, the Bible speaks of a person having favor with others. Not just here in Daniel, but in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7, the Bible tells us directly, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies at peace with him. I cannot encourage you enough to follow the principles of Daniel that are set out and watch what the Lord uh, will do. God gave them favor. God gave them gifts and blessed them. Ooh, I like gifts. Ooh, give me the blessings. Well, live like Daniel. You know, this is, it's living the way the Lord would want us to live. Uh, Verse 17, God gave them knowledge. He gave them skill. He gave them understanding. Verses 19 and 20, there were none like them. Daniel and his three friends. We're 10 times better than the rest. In the process, what is all this? It is this. In the process, last takeaway is trust God. Do God's way and trust God. And God will take care of you. Sometimes it's going to seem rocky. Sometimes it's going to not make any sense. It's an act of faith. Daniel lived by faith. I found this. I'll throw it up here for you. Uh, Think of it like this with Daniel. It's better to be a lonely lion than a popular sheep. Uh, Daniel and his friends, they were not the norm, right? Don't be a sheeple. Just going along with the crowd. It's easy to just live the way the King Nebuchadnezzar or the world wants me to live. No, it's better to be a lonely lion. Um, and, uh, and we move forward. We press forward. We trust in the Lord. Amen? Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast.